Wow. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What marvelous gifts of God our musicians and their music are. It's amazing to listen and to coordinate, to hear all of that so beautifully done. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. Ringing in my ears there are the words of Psalm 95, the Psalm of David. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Wow! What an amazing gift, that thanksgiving. And the, 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 the music, the words, the peace, the feelings, what that does is an amazing gift to us today. And we get to say thank you to our musicians, not just for their excellence, but also for their dedication and their commitment, for they lead us in the songs of salvation. They, they, they get us ready for heaven. And for that, we are profoundly grateful. But even more than singing and rehearsing and directing and planning, they help us see Jesus Christ. The words lead us to Jesus. And sometimes the sermon doesn't stick. I know that. <laughs> and sometimes the music sticks. It's not the uh, random Wednesday where I find myself in the midst of the schedule of the week singing something that's come from the hearts and the lips of the choir. A chorus, a repetitive piece, something that just kind of plays in my heart and my soul and brings a sense of contentment and peace. And so for that peace, sometimes loud with brass and sometimes quiet, the amazing, soulful, reflective moments that music provides, we are grateful. And for your dedication and your practice, doesn't all just show up and happen this morning at 9.35. You've been at this for a while. They have, truly. They're not just that good, but they are that good. <laughs> Every Thursday night, some Saturday mornings, retreats, all of those pieces of your commitment, your dedication, as well as the long, 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 long days the Easter Sundays where everyone else is kind of out gathering eggs or doing what they're going to do and we finish up at 12.30, 1 o'clock. Or Christmas Eve where you start at, say, 7 o'clock and then you finish up at 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning. We, uh, we get that as well. Let's put our hands together and thank God for our fine musicians. And everyone connects in a different way. I connect sometimes through words and pictures. And, 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 and they connect us through music and those gifts. They connect us to, to Christ. It's not just the soulful tunes or the, the, the marvelous melodies. It's also the, the words that lead us to Jesus. It's the words of the hymn on Good Friday that take us to the foot of the cross. That remind us of that marvelous gift of Christ's sacrifice for us. And maybe you'd like to read it in the darkness of the sanctuary on that Friday night, but I like to hear it sung sometimes in the quiet dark of that sanctuary, that my sins and our sins are forgiven and atoned for in the death of Christ on the cross. 
And that even in the midst of that sting of death, there is the marvelous victory of his resurrection. Our choirs, our musicians, our handbell players, all of those who support that ministry, all of them lead us to see Jesus. And they prepare us. <laughs> what are you going to do in heaven? What do you think heaven's about? I don't know. Sometimes I think heaven will be kind of crazy. When I was a child, I used to think heaven was fishing and catching a fish every time you put your hook in. But then I got, grew up a little bit and I figured heaven was playing pinball. And every time you played pinball, you popped a free game. And now I'm not sure what heaven is. The relief from anxiety, being with those who you love, being constantly in the presence of God. But I can tell you one thing absolutely for sure. The scriptures are absolutely clear on heaven is about worship. The songs of forever will be sung in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of His glory. And we will sing that in heaven. John looked down and he heard, Worthy is Christ the Lamb who was slain. Honor and blessing and glory and might are to be God and the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. And so in a very real way, with all of the ministry we have, our, music, our musicians and our worship leaders connect us to heaven and allow us to have those moments of rehearsal for the time we step into heaven and join our place in eternity. And there is no ministry that is as righteous and wonderful and preparatory as what you lead us in. Holy, holy, holy. Doors open and doors shut. It's one of the reasons why this season is so cool. This afternoon, one of those doors opens and one of those doors shuts. Our eighth graders, our confirmands are confessing Christ before the world this afternoon. They're going to walk through that door of confirmation, all 80 of them, and they're ready to go. Gone is the great inquisition that it used to be when I was confirmed. When on Easter Sunday, two of us stood before my father and answered 10 questions each in front of the congregation. That moment I was so afraid I couldn't even remember how many books were in the New Testament. And my father looked at me with great disdain like, come on! It was the easy one. And I said, well, ask me how there can be evil in the world in the face of a good God, Dad. And I'll launch into that for you, you know, but... Uh, we don't do the Grand Inquisition anymore. Students write papers and reflect on God's Word in their lives and their dedication and commitment to the Lord Jesus. Pastor Trevor has led them through that, has guided their steps, has brought them into a retreat, has read their papers, has taught them week by week. They've had mentors who've gone with them and walked with them through that process. And today, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, the door of childhood closes and the door of young adulthood opens. And they're going to do perhaps the most countercultural thing that you could possibly do in the 21st century. They're going to stand up and say, This is truth, and this is what I believe. Through a year of learning, growing, praying, and serving, today they will stand up and do what the Apostle Paul called, make a good confession of the faith. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, these words, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. It's with your heart you believe, and with your mouth you confess. The confirmation service and the whole process that the students go through is refreshing. There's going to be grandparents who will be sitting in the congregation this afternoon crying, their faces flushed, little tears of happiness because they will have known that they brought their faith from their children into their children's children, that they've been faithful in the task of raising children in the faith. And grandparents find a a different level of significance in that, of, of fulfillment in that. They're able to look and say the very most important part of my heart and my soul is now owned by my grandson or my granddaughter. And that whole generation is touched with a job well done. And parents feel it as well. Parents, they are a little funnier. They'll, they'll, they'll sit in the very top of the balcony and take pictures and take photo bombs, all sorts of crazy stuff. They can kind of slobber all over themselves. It'll be kind of fun to watch. But parents appreciate when a door closes and a child has been successful going through and that another door of opportunity and challenge awaits them. Part of our job as parents is to open those doors in a way that's meaningful to our children, especially the door of faith in Jesus Christ. This afternoon, the students will stand up and instead of saying, well, whatever, what do you believe? Well, whatever. What are you going to do with your life? Well, whatever. I don't know. We'll see. They will stand up and they will say, we will follow Jesus Christ. Pastor Trevor will ask them, he'll say, really? And they'll look at him in the eye and they say, we will with the help of God. And that's what it's about. Instead of shrinking back from the faith and saying, well, whatever, we'll just go with the flow. Our students will stand up with their nice white gowns and their little red carnation and say, I confess Christ. This I believe. And that's a big win for all of us. That's a big win for our congregation. That's a big win for the Christian faith. And it refreshes grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, and most importantly, our 80 young people who confess their faith today. We all share in that confession and that win because it wouldn't be possible without every single one of you in the body of Christ. Each one of us who participates in the mission of St. John's, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, connecting, growing, and sharing, we all share in this win together, refreshed as young people confess Christ. Amen? Amen. Wow, that was Lutheran's. Good job. This is one of those weird Sundays because my wife and I are leaving next Sunday. We're going on a two-week trip to we're going on a two-week trip to Minnesota. My brother-in-law is being married, and, and as such, we're gonna leave next Sunday morning. Now I never intentionally schedule anything that's not church on Sunday morning, and this will be the first time in 12 years that we have done that. 
We've had soccer, we've had football, we've had sports and school and stuff and stuff. And finally, we are of the age where our kids are done with all that stuff and I actually have one kid married. <laughs> but there's no car seats in the back of the truck yet. Of course, they've only been married two months, so that's a good thing too. So our trips are kind of fun. We're looking forward to it. We talk and talk and talk. But next Sunday morning as we go from our house in, uh, Orange, in, in Orange out to Barstow, it'll be pretty mellow. It'll be pretty quiet because we're going to leave sometime after 4 in the morning and we're going to scrape our kids, throw Pop-Tarts at them and let them just probably sleep. And you know how kids sleep in the car. They're... But Barbara and I will be wide awake because that's how parents are. You load the car, you do your thing, you know, and you're sharp and you're ready to go. And you know the 15 freeway, if you're not ready to go, you're, you just never, never know. But we'll reflect on that. It's what we do. We'll talk about where we've been, how it's gone. A year of a wedding, a year of a graduation, a year where things have been kind of crazy. My wife has a very responsible job at Orange Lutheran High School. I have a somewhat responsible job here at, or at St. John's Lutheran Church in Orange. And we'll talk all about that stuff. And the beauty of that. And the gratitude in our hearts for what God does in and through the body of Christ here is phenomenal. We reflect on that a lot. The blessing that our children have received here is unreal. The depth of faith, the depth of maturity as they were confirmed and went to high school and went to college and now serve actively the Lord Jesus both here and in other places is unreal. We'll talk about our hearts a little bit where we're at. I'm pretty sure we'll look at one another and say I'm tired and she'll say I'm tired indeed. Alleluia. It's just kind of how that how that will go. But I get that. I get that, so do you. But those moments of reflection are powerful and we need them in our lives. Without that, life just becomes tasks strung together. You do until you're too exhausted to do anymore. But God in Christ and His Spirit's prodding provides richness and meaning through some of that ability to meditate on God's Word and to, to put that through heart and soul and experience and to say, this is who I am and this is where I'm going. So we look forward to that two-week two week shot. As I reflect a little bit on St. John's and what St. John's is doing, that brings a big smile to my face. Finishing the renovation of this beautiful sanctuary, I, you know what they say, doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. And I think I'm a stronger man and a better pastor for having gone through that. It's a very, very arduous, difficult piece. In that, part of my responsibility is to visit, to do that. I tend to be a visiting pastor. The criticism of pastors of large churches is they don't go see their people. Well, your pastor does. You have lunch here and breakfast there, and we go and hang out and do this and that. People say, we well, don't need to drive to Long Beach. I said, I'm driving to Long Beach, and it's just what, what is good pastoral practice. One afternoon, I had a lunch with a lady out in Westminster, and I pulled into the trailer park and she said here's where my trailer is and I pulled in and I said well this is great I said a trailer park all the while I'm thinking I thought 
you were wealthy. Turned out she owned the trailer park. <laughs> she smiled with a big, beautiful smile. She's about 90 years old, and she said, I made a deal with the Lord, Pastor Tibbs. She said, the deal was he could have my body if I could keep my mind. And she ran the business, the trailer park, and a bunch of other holdings from here to the Imperial Valley that were just unreal. Lady started as a farmer in Fullerton, kind of hung out there, and then moved down Beach Boulevard into uh, a farm on the corner of Bolsa and Brookhurst down in Westminster. She dealt with the whole piece of transition of Westminster from Westminster being a, a kind of a white community when, when white flight happened in L.A. and then it became Hispanic and then Vietnamese. My wife and I went to dinner with her at the, the, the uh, Citizen of the Year party and all the Vietnamese merchants came around her table and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. And she would say, I don't speak the language, but I love the food. She was just awesome. She passed away about three years ago. The city of Westminster had a huge piece and we had a marvelous service here. And, and we got a letter from her uh, uh, administrator of her trust that she had left us a gift. And she had left us a portion of her trailer park. And I thought that's really cool. That's very, very kind, very, very nice. We received word about that was three, four months ago that the family that held the park in trust as a function of their foundation wanted to sell the park because they were just struggling with the ins and outs of it. It's a very nuanced business. We are now in escrow on the sale of that park. And the sale of that park is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $36 million. 25% of $36 million is nine million dollars. That will be wired into the account of St. John's Lutheran Church in probably the next 30 days. Now I tell you that story for a couple of reasons. Two in particular. One, we're finishing a marvelous run of ministry at St. John's. We're, 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 we're a little bit sitting on the beach after having ridden a whole bunch of waves saying, man, that's been great. And, and, and I've struggled with that. What's the next horizon? What's the next piece of vision? Where, where do we go and, 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 and what do we do? And I think God has said, wherever you're going to go and whatever you're going to do, I got this. Your church needs you in a different way than it needed you previously. During this year, as we think through how to use those funds and how to steward that marvelous gift, we're going to spend time in the word and prayer and conversation and encouragement because that decision is a body of Christ decision made through the congregation, not made by the senior pastor or the trustees alone. It's, it's directed and shepherded through the leadership you've elected but the ultimate decision is yours. And so instead of making the decision with our hair on fire, we're going to work together carefully, seeking the Spirit's guidance as to how to best achieve the mission that God has laid out before us. 
One piece of that that's precious to me is that God didn't drop that gift on us, although he could have right before we did the sanctuary. At what point, you would have looked at me and said, Klinkenberg, this is a no-brainer. Just, just write the check for the sanctuary off the hook. We're all done. Didn't seem that was God's timing. And so God has a new horizon and a new opportunity for us in a different way than maybe just to pay something off. Your church needs you in a different way than it needed you previously. Your prayers, your support, your love, your encouragement, your opinions, your attitudes, all of those pieces. We are the body of Christ and all of you are a part of that body. And so I'd ask you to consider your place in the body of Christ today and always. And the second piece of that is I need you in a different way than I needed you before. This moving from being 46, 47 and being the young guy with all the energy and bushy white hair, you know, all that stuff's kind of over for me. Now I'm moving on to being the old guy. It's not the occasional meeting where I look around the room and all the young whippersnappers are in there and I go, oh, come on, I'm the oldest guy again, come on. Isn't there a senior ministry I can go to where I can be the young guy? I used to be the young guy who does weddings, but now that's Trevor and Pastor Nathan's work. No, Pastor Tim, you're more like a dad. We'd like to have someone who's more like a brother or a cousin. Cool, thanks, I get it. But could you do Grandma's funeral? Sure, happy. Happy to do Grandma's funeral. And I'll do it 50 times better than I did a wedding 20 years ago. But I need you. I need your prayers and your encouragement and your ideas and your love and your gifts and the skills and abilities that God has given you for this next kind of transitional season of life together at St. John's. The partnership we have here is amazing. And the cohesion of this congregation leads sociology guys to come and want to do surveys and say, how come you're all leaned in together? And I say two things, Jesus Christ and his spirit. And you can't replicate that without Jesus. That's what brings us together. And the mission of the church. The mission of the church in the scripture that I've been noodling on and thinking about over about the last month or so, along with 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 9, also thinking about this 1 Corinthians 9 verse and the, the call to win people to Jesus Christ. Paul writes, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. All things to all people. 
to win a few, to win some. I wonder where the Lord Jesus would have us put those resources into play. Not so that we could be more comfortable or have more shiny things or feel good about ourselves, but where he would have us put that chip down and say, in my name, you're going to win a few. And here's how you're going to go about it. I pray that as we give ourselves that year of prayer and study and discernment, that God would lead us to be united in Christ and in his mission to the world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. It's a good morning, Lord Jesus, to be together. Thank you for the, the beautiful sounds of the brass, for the thundering timpani that undergirds everything, for the voices of the choir, for the bells that fill in just beautifully, and for the voices of your people gathered together. What a blessed people we are. Thank you for all the gifts that you provide from the largest, Lord, uh, to, to, to those that are of great sacrifice. We, we ask that you would continue to bless us and walk with us. And this time of transition and kind of figuring out that, that, that your spirit would grant insight, that our conversation would be filled with possibilities and hope, and that by all means possible, Lord, we may win a few to the name of Jesus, that a few more would be in that choir in eternity than are there now, not for our glory, but for yours. For we follow you and we belong to you. Bless us, Lord, as we do our thing. I pray you'd bless our family as we head on vacation. I pray you'd be with all those who travel and do their thing. Grant us your peace and reunite us at that moment where opportunity and resource lead us into your mission. For your sake and in your name we pray. Amen.